This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Bay Ryan, and here we are reading a letter from a listener. With that, would you like to move on to our second letter? Do you feel ready? Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. I have so many questions about this letter. <laughs> I do too. I do too. <laughs> Okay, uh, the subject is one off this ride. Point to note. Uh, my wife is smart, kind, funny, and sexy, but her emotional volatility has brought our marriage to breaking point. She receives any criticism with anger that lasts anywhere for an hour to the rest of the day. Any failure feels like total comprehensive failure as a person. Even minor frustrations and annoyances make her angry for 24 to 48 hours until I can get her to calm down enough to talk about it. In most cases, I can see why she's upset, but the level of her reaction is so out of proportion. This happens at least a few times a month, and lately it's been escalating with self-pitying monologues and lashing out at me sometimes. When she's not upset, we're friends. We have great conversations and good sex. We're excellent co-parents to our daughter. I know she loves and cares about me. She demonstrates that regularly. She's been working with a therapist and we've been doing couples counseling for four months now and we're seeing some progress from that. I do think that she's finally heard me on how much of an issue this is for me and the rest of our marriage is mutually respectful and trusting. I guess what I could use some help on is deciding whether this is fixable. When I think about the beautiful moments we've had together, this seems like such a stupid thing to get divorced over. I can see that she's suffering, but that she cares about me. The pandemic was tough on everyone, but I made a vow to her for life and there will be struggles in any life. But I'm so exhausted. Do people really change? Yeah, I really shared your sense of, I, I wished so much I could have gotten just a few examples of what type of criticism is coming up, how the letter writer is framing it, what lashing out looks like. I, I do really wish that we had more details on that front. Or what progress looks like even. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much information in the first paragraph and then it seems to trail off into an all but everything else is fine mantra. Yeah. Yeah. So I I guess I'll just preface this with a lot of this advice is going to be slightly hedged. I'm going to be hedging my bets on a couple of different fronts. And so there's probably a few different areas where my advice would shift depending on what we're exactly talking about, but I'm going to do my best with the information that we do have. So Again, wishing so much I knew like how off like how often are you criticizing her? What does she experience as criticism? Is it like you wake her up in the morning and you're like, hey, here are three things you failed at yesterday? Or is it just like 
oh, uh, would you mind unloading the dishwasher? I know you said you would this morning, but it's it's still full. There's there's lots of in between there, but I, I think I can at least get some purchase on. Minor frustrations and annoyances make her angry for 24 to 48 hours until I can get her to calm down enough to talk about it. So that at least is like clear, non-vague. It's not, mm. uh, there's no question here of like the letter writer might be needling her. So a minor frustration, a minor annoyance can get her so mad that for up to two days, she can't even discuss it and presumably can't discuss much. It sounds like sometimes gives the cold shoulder for that long uh, a period of time, which that's, you know, I can really understand why this letter writer started with uh, our marriage is at a breaking point. Because even if that's only a few times a month, that's a lot. Mm. Like I struggle with RSD with my ADHD and that is a lot of time. (laughs) I think the point where he's, saying any failure feels like total comprehensive failure as a person. I can't tell if he's talking about himself. Oh, it, it seemed like that was the letter writer describing his wife. Yes. Um, like when she experiences any sort of failure, it's as if she's been told she has failed as a human being. Okay. I also like can't tell how long this has been going on for. They mentioned the pandemic, not much else before then. Yeah, it seems gotten worse lately. Also not clear if that's the few months. It it doesn't sound like this has only been going on for a few months. Mm. So again, it's not clear. Presumably she wasn't doing this the first month that they started dating. But I think we can assume it's been going on for at least two years, possibly longer. Yeah. I think one question that I would have for the letter writer, um, you know, it's great that you're in couples counseling um, and it's maybe great that she's working with a therapist. I, I don't know. Sometimes people can see a therapist and not derive much benefit at all. Um, or people can see a therapist and only hear what they want to hear or use it as justification to act the way that they want. So I don't want to pretend that it's a, a, an immediate cure-all here. But I wonder, letter writer, do you talk about this with anybody else in your life? Do any of your close friends know? Do any of your siblings or if you have a relative or a parent that you're close to Is there anybody outside of this marriage that you talk to regularly? And I don't mean every time your wife blows up, you run to a friend and like tattle on her or unload on a cousin um, every single argument the two of you have. But but do other people in your life know that this is a really difficult dynamic for you? Because I think sometimes people are reluctant to share about struggles in a marriage because they feel like it can be disloyal or they don't want to sort of triangulate. And and certainly I wouldn't want you to start going and talking to a friend and then coming back to your wife and saying, you know, Tim thinks I'm right. Um, but just in terms of getting some support and getting some outside perspectives from somebody who presumably knows you both, I would really encourage you to add that in on top of the couple's counselor. Because regardless of whether or not the two of you decide to stay together or divorce and, and figure out ways to be co-parents um, and separated, I want you to have at least one friend or relative who knows that this is going on and can just be there for you. No, absolutely. I don't know. I'm looking at my notes and I've got more questions than points, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is frustrating in retrospect. But I, I think I was caught up by the fact that the letter seems to speak more to the issues of behavior than the aforementioned progress of such. I feel like I'm lacking a lot of information. But it comes across as like asking for permission from strangers, I suppose. In which case, I would definitely be encouraging you to talk to someone who is close to you, 
who you can trust, who is happy to have that dialogue with you. And that can be really difficult, especially if you're a cis straight man, which I'm assuming this person is. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. I, yeah. I am often people mention it if they're not, but not always. Mm. But you know that kind of pushing past abject expectations of masculinity in order to talk about one's feelings, kind of spiel. Yeah, I think you know if that were the case, I think this letter writer clearly, regardless of of identity, is somebody who's in need of a little bolstering and a little support. Yeah, um, and so I wouldn't want to say like, well, if you're a if you're a straight guy, then <laughs> it's good that your wife gets angry and lashes out oh, at you. Oh no, um, no, sorry, not that you were. <laughs> It was such a like lovingly forlorn, like, oh, no, not that that's what you were saying at all. Um, I just wanted to stress, regardless of identity no, of categories, yeah. we want we want what's best for this letter writer. I've actually found myself, as we've been talking about this a little more, a little bit more confident. Like, the details would have been great, but there's no reason, reading this letter, nothing gave me little alarm bells of, ooh, I think the letter writer might be kind of needling their wife. No, or, like, I actually... I was more concerned about the lack of progress on the wife's part that I could tell. Like, I'm not concerned that the letter writer is doing anything that I can tell from this information wrong. Mm -hmm. He's giving her space. He's trying to talk to her. He's clearly struggling to combat situations where she is so overwhelmed she's not listening to him. Yeah, and I think letter writer... What's really useful for me about this letter is I think that she's started to realize how much of an issue this is for me. I think she's finally heard me. And I assume some of that comes from she's finally seeing a therapist and we're finally in couples counseling and there's some unspecified amount of progress. But that actually feels a little bit more like wishful thinking Mm. because the letter writer says lately it's been escalating. Yeah. So – And it's also only been a few months of therapy. So my guess is maybe there's been a slight decrease in the last couple of months, or maybe it's more just I feel so hopeful about starting therapy that feels like progress to me. Mm. So I'll say this letter writer, it's clear to me that the problem here is not that your wife doesn't demonstrate that she cares about you. It's clear that the problem is not that you don't have good sex or that she's not a good listener. So I don't want you to feel either like none of those things matter But I also don't want you to feel like those things somehow count against your problem. Those aren't your problem. So as far as the problem is concerned, they're totally irrelevant. It's a little bit like saying, you know, well, Saturn happens to be closer to Earth than Jupiter. You know, Mm. fine, factually true, not relevant. The issue that you have right now is that your wife's relationship with her own anger is so volatile Um, is so unreasonable and is so extreme that you're starting to consider whether or not you want to spend the rest of your life with her, even taking into account how much you love her and how committed you are to your marriage. That's the problem. So all the other stuff, fine, interesting, not relevant. Think of that again as like, that's Jupiter and Saturn, not information that's relevant to this issue. Because this issue is, if she can't get this anger seriously under control in the pretty near future, that's going to affect my ability to live with her. That's really reasonable, letter mm-hmm. writer. 
And again, I think oftentimes when you're dealing with somebody who, when they're not angry, is delightful to be around, it can be so tempting to think of it in terms of, I'm sure we're just a few steps away from getting a hold of this together. I'm sure she's about to turn a corner. I know she could fix this if she wanted to. It's just a matter of learning the right habits and buckling down. And all that falls into the category of wishful thinking, which is not to say that it's stupid or foolish or wrong, just that you can combat or at least compare wishful thinking with cold hard facts and data. And so if you think in the last six months, how many times has she gone silent for two days in a row over really minor stuff? And if you can, you know, have a general plot of like, oh, about three times a month, but the last three months it's been closer to five, then you know it's actually not getting better. So I think that can be a good um, bulwark against wishful thinking, which is not going to be your friend here. Yeah, I mean, the line about like, when I think of all the beautiful moments we've had together, this seems like such a stupid thing to get divorced over. I just wanted to, I don't know, bap him on the head with a newspaper, frankly, Um, (laughs) because it really isn't. You can have that that made me want to hug him, (laughs) you know, like just gently. It feels like you can have the most romantic, beautiful moments in the fucking cosmos, excuse my language, but your relationship is still dysfunctional at the end of the day. Yeah, and I I think that the other thing that I'm curious about here is, letter writer, you say we're excellent co-parents to our daughter, and I'm really curious, is this something that your wife does to only you? Is it something she does to you and other adults in her life, like you and sometimes her sister and sometimes her friends and sometimes a coworker? Uh, is this something she does to your kid? Because um, all of those, again, are just like interesting, relevant data points. And if it's just you, that, you know, raises some red flags for me in terms of like, especially the increasing lashing out, which at least to me raised the possibility of like physical displays, maybe not like actual intimidation or use of force, but like, you know, maybe breaking something. Throwing uh, your maybe, weight around, so to speak. Yeah, maybe throwing a phone. Maybe I, Again, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't concrete, but it did raise that question for me. Or even just like really below the belt cruel remarks, which is also a, a form of, you know, like, you know, there's, there's potential for this to go down an abusive road, especially if this is something she only does with you and not with other adult peers. And then my other question was, does she do this in front of your kid? Because my guess is if there are multiple days every month where your wife won't talk to you because, I don't know, dinner got burned a little bit or she stubbed her toe or because you implied that she's got a flaw, that's going to affect your kid. Your and kid sees that potentially affecting whether or not your wife actually is a great co-parent. And I'm not saying this so that you can feel like I'm telling you to demonize her or that she's actually a monster. But if this is something that your kid sees, man, growing up in a household full of like cold, reserved, silent treatment anger, that can be really frightening for a kid. That can be destabilizing, bewildering, scary. It might make your kid feel like she needs to walk on eggshells. And so one thing that I think would maybe be useful is talking with your couple's counselor about that concern and maybe finding a therapist, like a a family therapist for your kid as well. And to try to get a sense of how has this been affecting her? Because my guess is she sees it. She's got to, she's got to notice this. If you all live in a house together, she has picked up on this. And I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying this has affected her and not positively. 
Yeah, no, I think that can go without saying almost. It's so, I, not to say it's not important that <laughs> you said it. Oh my gosh. But like, yeah, like he talks about having other kinds of stable relationship with her. And I mean, if that is genuinely, truly the case, and I'm going to write on that information, you can still be co-parents and not be in a relationship. <laughs> you can be in an open relationship if you want. That sounds like a great way to destabilize the situation even more. Don't take that my advice. That feels totally irrelevant to the problem. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, I really feel like this whole letter boils down to do I have permission to make the decision I want to make? Which is like, you don't need it. I mean, by all means, but you don't need it. But I, I, I think it's so useful for the letter writer to ask because I feel a lot of real implicit pressure here. Of like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, let go of my vows. I don't want to be too hard on someone. Um, if everything else is good, shouldn't it outweigh the bad stuff? Which I think is also not uncommon to hear about from people in like abusive relationships. And again, I, I wouldn't say we're a hundred percent there yet, but we're not. We're not so far off that I'd feel confident, I don't know, signing a document saying this relationship 100% abuse free. Not that there should be such a document. Just um, I, I think this is a really common question for people in really like potentially abusive or, or veering into abusive relationships. If if they're great in all other respects, shouldn't that outweigh the really bad stuff? Yeah. Um, and that's part of the reason that can be really easy to fall into an abusive relationship because most people don't start out abusive on the first date. Um, you know, it, it, it creeps up slowly, little by little over the years after you're incredibly invested and, and find lots of other things about them deeply, deeply lovable. So, you know, letter writer, the question of whether or not this is fixable, to me, the question is not, oh, if you two just keep going to couples counseling and you keep reminding her, gosh, I really do hate it when you stop talking to me for two days, except to go on like a mom from Gypsy Rose Lee's monologue about how she's the greatest stage mother of all time and you're an ungrateful child. That that analogy ran away with me, <laughs> um, then that's miserable. And that's not fixable if you try harder. That's fixable if she decides to stop. She's mm. capable of not doing this. I don't think that she does this uh, at the bank or the grocery store or at work with important clients. Um, my guess is she's perfectly aware in those circumstances that if she tried to pull that shit, she would not be able to complete her transaction or have interactions with people that worked. Um, and that tells me that she is capable of not doing this. So it's not like, you know, oh gosh, you got to give her two years and an incredibly flexible learning curve and just like give her an A plus and a gold star every time she only freezes you out for eight hours. Um, I think it would be really useful for you to start talking about it with other people in your life. Think about what would I want for my life if this never got better? And I think um, rather than I think she now knows how important this is to me, you can start thinking about this in terms of um, I can actually decide for myself how important this is for me. And I can decide that if this doesn't improve immediately and, you know, voluptuously, that I'm not going to wait for another five, 10 years to see if it gets a little bit better. Don't feel like if you don't give her six years and the full benefit of the doubt that you were premature or that you did something rash. This is absolutely concerning. This 
absolutely affects your quality of life. This absolutely casts a shadow over those other nice days of the month where you wonder and worry, well, if something's you know out of place in the living room or if the car's out of gas sooner than she thought it was, uh, she's going to get mad again. Like that's a big part of what this kind of volatility does to ruin the good times too, is just like you're often kind of quavering and looking over your shoulder to make sure everything's perfect so that she doesn't get angry. And Again, if it's that hard for you as an adult with ability to leave the house, how hard might that be on your daughter who is perhaps also already learning that it's really important to placate mom when when she might get upset? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I'm i assuming this child is a minor considering they are referred to as a child. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think she's probably, I, I think probably even under 10, possibly under five. Yeah, in which case, like, those brains absorb so much. There's no way that she hasn't noticed. There's absolutely no way. So I, d- I don't want to insinuate that what you're throwing away is nothing or you're throwing anything away per se. Because I, I don't know, I just left a decade long relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I remember running over that same thought process in my head of, well, there were all these good times, you know, and this makes up this amount. And I remember doing literal like maths in my head, like, well, how many times has this happened versus how many times it hasn't blah, 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 blah. Just like working myself into a stupor over it. And it's, it's really a great way to procrastinate doing anything about it mm. and not much else. Yeah. I think my last thought here, and I, I think I'm coming more and more around to letter writer. I think you have all the information you need. I think if your wife had wanted to change this behavior, she would have. And I don't think you need four months of couples counseling to not lash out, free someone out, deliver self-pitying supervillain monologues for 48 hours every time something goes wrong. And so I don't think that it is worth your time to see if she gets better. I think it would be better for you to get divorced, um, find ways to amicably co-parent and shield yourself and your daughter as much as possible from your wife's patterns and uh, eventually find somebody who is as great as your wife is in all these respects and doesn't become a a supervillain whenever they're they're angry. There are absolutely people who know how to get angry without flying off the handle. And not everyone is at their most patient, tolerant, and, you know, carefully spoken when they're angry. But it's absolutely possible, normal, and and expected to find a partner who knows how to handle their anger like a reasonable, caring person. So I encourage you to, you know, have the conversations with some friends, bring more of this up with your couple's counselor, look for a counselor for your child as well. But I, I would strongly encourage you to take your breaking point seriously and to consider ending this marriage. I don't think it's stupid. I don't think you've failed to try hard enough. And I don't think this is an unreasonable line for you to have. I think this sounds pretty awful, to be honest. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music, Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with the guest. 
And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.